Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching, The Prosperity of God. The Prosperity of God. Amen. We're starting a series today on the prosperity of God, and I just want to jump right in. It's probably not going to take a whole lot of time because today I just want to emphasize one basic point. It is the will of God to prosper you. Amen. So by way of introduction, uh, we're going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 8. But before we do, I want to preface it with a little bit of background and some biblical symbolism that that I'm aware of that will help us apply this passage to our everyday lives. Amen. You know, it's one thing to read the Bible, but it's another thing to apply it to your life. Amen. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, it was a type of being born again. You might have heard this before. Egypt is a type of the world, and when they left Egypt, it was a type of them leaving the world and turning their heart towards the Lord Jesus. Amen. When they went through the Red Sea, it was a type of baptism. When they wandered in the wilderness, it was a type of the chastisement of the Lord so that they would grow and mature as saints of God. Amen. By the time you get to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, Moses is preparing them to go into the promised land, and he's telling them, giving them some advice as to how they should behave when they go into this new land. Amen. And with all that in mind, let's begin reading Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read verse 1 through verse 18 in the New King James Version. Amen. This is Moses speaking to the people of God. They're about to transition from the wilderness into the promised land. And they're going to have to fight for everything they get. Amen. Verse 1, he says, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Amen. That's a good amen stop right there. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Amen. Notice that God chastened them like children, yet he supernaturally provided for their every need so that they would learn to trust Him for their every need. He fed them with manna from heaven, which Psalm 78 verse 25 says uh, was angels' food. He fed them with angels' food, and yet they complained about it. Amen. I'd love to take a taste out of some angels' food. Amen. Their clothes never wore out, and their feet never swelled as they walked the desert mile after mile after mile. Amen. He fed them, he clothed them, and he kept them healthy. Remember what it was like when you first got born again, when you first got saved? It seemed like every prayer that you uttered just automatically got answered. You're like, hey, I'm going to like this Christian life. Amen. 
God has taken care of me. He's taken care of my every need. But there did come a point where you had to step it up a little bit, where you had to grow up and mature and start believing God for yourself. Amen. Instead of having him provide everything for you on a platter. Amen. So there's a parallel to growing from babyhood to maturity in Christ. Amen. Verse 7 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Notice the shift that's occurring here as they prepare to go into the promised land. In the desert, water was scarce and had to be supernaturally provided. He gave it to them out of the rocks. Amen. Amen. There wasn't any soil in the desert that you could use to grow crops, so he had to provide their meals. They couldn't dig minerals out of the desert floor, so he had to provide for them everything they needed. Amen. This is why I believe that crossing the Jordan River, if we keep with the comparisons and keep with the types, crossing the Jordan River into the promised land is not a type of heaven because when they went into the promised land, they had to fight. I promise you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to have to fight. <laughs> It'll all be there for you, amen? So, so crossing the Jordan and going into the promised land is a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a type of fighting the good fight of faith and obtaining what God has said belongs to you, amen? See, it's a little bit different. In the desert, everything was provided. I imagine they took their clothes and they changed them and they put them under a tree and the next morning they were cleaned and pressed. Can you imagine? Shoes that never wear out. Feet that never swell. Ever spend 10, 12 hours a day on your feet and your feet swell up? Amen. You know what that's like. They walked probably 20 miles a day in the desert and their feet didn't swell. Is that supernatural or what? But when they went into the promised land, they had to fight to obtain what God had promised to them. They had to grow up and fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And even though they took over cities and houses that they did not build, crops that they did not plant, and wells that they did not dig, they still had to take them by force. And once they took them, they had to maintain them. Amen. Glory to God. They had to fight to gain them, and they had to work to maintain them. And eventually, they had to build their own cities, more houses, more crops they had to uh, plant, more crops, and they had to dig more wells as they grew and multiplied. Amen. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. 
who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock. Amen. Let me stop right there. Do you know what that means? It means the rock, when you hit the rock, sparks flew. It was a flinty rock. What usually came out of the rock was fire, but when God struck the rock, water came out. Amen. I love that. Glory to God. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you said in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, God still provided everything they needed, but instead of just miraculously providing it with no effort on their part, He now gave them the capacity to use what He had provided to meet their needs through the work of their own hands. It's no less supernatural that you have a job that God provided for you so you can earn a salary and you can pay your bills and have a place to live, and food to eat, and clothes to wear. It is no less supernatural that God got you that great job that provides for your needs. Amen. Do you see that? Do you see that in the Scripture? He said, remember, it was God who gave you the health, the education, the skills, and the intellect to build and create, or to work a job and earn wages to provide for your needs and the needs of your family. It's still supernatural, and God is still the author of it. So never get lifted up in pride and say, listen, I built my own empire. I built this house, all this land I cultivated myself. Well, listen, where did the land come from in the first place? Where did the knowledge and the skill to build a house come from? Amen. Where did economic systems in general come from? They all came from God. Amen. Hallelujah. He's saying, don't forget. Don't forget when wealth overtakes you. Don't forget the Lord your God. He's the one who gave you the capacity to get that wealth. Amen. So what can we learn from these first 18 verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8? I came up with four things. I know there's more than just four things that you can dig out of those scriptures. But here's four that the Lord impressed upon my heart. Number one, God is the author of prosperity. And if God is the author of prosperity, then there must be a right way to preach it. And there must be a right way to live it. Amen. Therefore, it is wrong to portray all who preach on prosperity as charlatans or as false prophets. It's wrong to paint with a broad brush, as the saying goes. Sure, the prosperity message has been distorted and perverted. But I'm telling you, prosperity was authored by God. So there's got to be a right way to preach it, and there's got to be a right way to live it. And I told the Lord, if I'm ever going to preach on prosperity, which I almost never do, I want to preach it the right way with balance and wisdom and the judgment of God. Amen. Amen. So number one, God is the author of prosperity. Number two, remember the Lord your God. 
when it comes to your wealth, when it comes to your money. Realize that it all belongs to him anyhow. He gave you, he either gave you the wealth outright or he gave you the capacity to earn it. Amen. Number three, put your faith in God's ability to provide for your needs. He can do it miraculously with no effort on your part or more likely as you grow and mature in him. He can do it through a job, through something you build or create, amen, or an idea or a seed that you sow, amen. Number four, give as a corresponding action of your faith to establish God's covenant in the earth. Amen. God entered into covenant with Abraham, and the Bible says, and with his seed. He promised that in his seed, that that is through Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Deuteronomy 22, 18. So the motive of your giving should be that others might be blessed that others might enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord, the seed of Abraham. Amen. That should be the primary motive for you in your giving. You really shouldn't give to get. That's not a good motive. You really shouldn't give just to get something back. You should give so that others might be blessed, and then trust God by faith that He will meet your needs. And something I found out about God, when you give with the right heart attitude, you cannot outgive God. He will take care of you. Amen. He doesn't, and I said this last week, He doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things having you. Amen. He doesn't want you to have a bigger barn mentality where you build big barns and fill them with grain and you don't let anybody touch them. And you say, I'm not going to let anybody touch this stuff until I die. You know, there's a, there's a parable in there and the Lord says, you know, you fool, this day I will require your soul of you. You thought that all this grain and all this wealth was going to save you somehow and in the end, as the Bible says, we didn't bring anything into this world, and in the end, you can't take anything out of this world. Amen. So give so that others might be blessed, and trust God to meet your needs. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, I want to hammer this point home, and this will be the rest of the teaching, and that is something I've already alluded to. Prosperity is the will of God for mankind. You say, why do you say that, Brother Scott? Well, because I know the opposite is not true. Just imagine if somebody said, poverty is the will of God for mankind. There are denominations and people who take vows of poverty. They misinterpret the scripture. And I'm telling you, that is not God. That is not God. That's false humility. Okay? God wants to meet your needs. And he wants you to give with the right heart so that you show him that you trust him. Amen? Remember I said give as a corresponding action of your faith. Your faith is in God to provide your needs. You give as a corresponding action of that faith. Everybody see that? You don't give as some sort of trigger that automatically causes things to come to you. 
That's not right. You receive from God always in every area, even in finances, by faith and by faith alone. That's why some people tithe their whole life and they never receive uh, an abundant harvest because their faith is not in God. Their faith is in the money they're sowing. And that's not right. I believe in sowing a seed, but you got to sow a seed by faith. You sow a seed that someone else might be blessed, that someone else might come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when you do, you trust God to meet your needs. Amen. Prosperity is the will of God for mankind. We're going to go through some scriptures. I believe the Bible speaks and we need to listen when it speaks. Psalm 35 verse 27 in the New King James Version. This is King David. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Amen. Did you know that word there for prosperity is the Hebrew word shalom? And shalom means a whole lot more than just peace. Shalom means health, prosperity, peace, and wholeness. It literally means, and you probably heard this before, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. You are whole in every sense of the word. Amen. That's what Shalom means. And notice, David said, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the shalom, the health, the prosperity, the peace, and the wholeness of his servants. Amen. Hallelujah. It is prosperity in the most complete sense of the word. Amen. In every area of your life, in every part of your being, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. It's not just finances. It's every area of your life, every part of your being, spirit, soul, and body. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21 in the New King James Version. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Amen. Get the picture. This is after Jesus has been risen from the dead, only they don't know it yet. They're holed up in somebody's house, hiding from the Jews. And all of a sudden, Jesus kind of appears, walks through the wall, and says, Peace in. A lot of people say, Peace out. Jesus said, Peace in. He appeared to them and he said, Peace in. Be to you. Amen. Would you like to know what that Greek word there that's translated peace actually means? It means prosperity. Prosperity be to you. It's like Spock. Live long and prosper. Everybody laughs about that, but I watched a special in which he explained where he came up with that. He comes from a family of Ukrainian Jews, and that was a Hebrew greeting it actually was shalom live long and prosper so every time i watch spock now i'm like amen brother spock (laughs) amen shalom to you too you alien so he comes in he says peace 
be with you. Prosperity, health, prosperity, wellness, wholeness. Be with you. Amen. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Amen. Amen. Listen, I've already said it. The word peace here is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom. It's much more than just peace of mind. It's prosperity and soul, body, soul, spirit, financial prosperity, wholeness. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Everything is okay. Amen. Notice that after the first time he speaks peace or prosperity to the disciples, he shows them his hands and his side. He shows them the wounds in his body, essentially saying, in my opinion, I am alive and here are the wounds to prove it. Furthermore, here are the wounds that show that I paid the price for your complete shalom, your complete prosperity. Therefore, I speak to you. Prosperity be with you. Do you see that? I paid the price so that you could be blessed in every area of your life in every part of your being, spirit, soul, and body. Live long and prosper. Amen. I don't mean that as a joke. Amen. He said shalom to them. Only he said it in Greek. And here's the proof that I paid the price for you to receive the shalom of God. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then he says it again. Peace be to you. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Amen. What's that all about? Well, I've brought you shalom. Now I'm going to send you out so you can take shalom to the world. Amen. Do you see that? Well, if you don't see that, hang on, because I got some supporting scriptures that I think will convince you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15 in the New King James Version. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Same word. Shalom, prosperity, peace, health, wholeness. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Amen. He commissioned them to go out and preach the gospel of peace, the gospel of prosperity. You see, if you teach prosperity right, it's more than just finances. It affects every area of your life and every part of your being. Amen. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 in the New King James Version. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Same Greek word that he spoke to them in John chapter 20, the Greek equivalent of shalom, prosperity. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo, hallelujah. Third John 2 in the King James Version, because I just can't find it written any better than the King James. Sometimes the King James is my main man. Listen. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Third John 2 in the Amplified Classic says it like this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Amen. Again, he's saying this is this is John speaking. But surely, you know, that John was preaching and teaching and writing this scripture uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he said in, in the King James, beloved, I wish above all things. You know what that word wish means? I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So if John was praying that, the Holy Ghost was praying that, and God is praying that for you. I pray, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Amen. How much more plain can you get than that? As one preacher says, you got to have help to misunderstand that. God wants us to prosper in every area of our lives and in every part of our being, spirit, soul, and body. And he sent Jesus to pay the price and seal the deal. We just need more balanced biblical teaching on the subject of prosperity in the body of Christ. So that we can learn to live the abundant life that Jesus paid the price so we could live. Amen. John 10.10 in the King James Version. Jesus speaking here. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. He might say it like this. I came so they might have life. And have it more prosperously. Amen. Abundance. Prosperity. No lack. The Bible says by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. It says that about six places. I've given you the witness of Moses. The witness of David. The witness of Jesus. The witness of Paul. And the witness of John. And they all say the same thing. Prosperity is the will of God for mankind so that he may establish his covenant in Jesus throughout the whole earth. Amen. There's a reason he's after the covenant spreading all over the earth. Amen. We'll get into next week how that your giving can help fulfill the desire of God so that his covenant is available to every man and woman on planet earth. Everybody has a chance to say yes to Jesus, enter into a covenant relationship with him. That's the real purpose of prosperity. And if you never lose sight of that, you'll always stay balanced. Amen. It's not about you and how blessed you can be. It's about how you can learn to bless others. You know, there's a saying you've all probably heard it before. If God can get it through you, he can get it to you. Amen. If you'll be a funnel Instead of a well that just lets it stack up, God can continue the flow. Amen? 
you just get in a flow where you give and he gives back. You give and he gives back. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men shall give to your bosom. Amen. That's a promise from God. That's a promise from the lips of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we'll take it from there and we'll continue next week on the prosperity of God. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part one of Dr. Forrest's message, The Prosperity of God. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>